Today marks the third death anniversary of actress Cicely Tyson. She joined the ancestors back in 2021 at the age of 96. You may remember her from shows such as Roots, the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman, Fried Green Tomatoes, which are some among some of my favorites. I'm especially glad that I got to see her on Broadway with another icon, James Earl Jones, in the play A Trip to Bountiful. Tyson was a legend depicting the experience of pain, caregiving, resilience, and survival. Whether in big or small roles, she represented the role of an actress exceptionally well. A few weeks before her death, Cicely Tyson had an interview on CBS with Gail King at her home church, Harlem's Abyssinia Baptist Church. The interview reflected on Tyson's memoir, Just As I Am, released a few days before her death. There was a moment in the interview where Tyson reflected on her role as much more than a performer. She noted this in response to a journalist who reacted to seeing her in the 1972 movie Sounder. Sounder centers around a sharecropper black family struggling to survive, but deeply connected by love, education, and a beloved pet dog named Sounder. The journalist candidly told Cicely Tyson that he had felt bigotry when her movie son called his screen father daddy. Ms. Tyson, wondering about this, engaged the journalist a bit more and then came to this moment where she said, my God, this man is thinking that we are not human beings. In the interview with Gail King, she moves from this baffling thought to immediately finding insight into the self-talk that guided her career. She said, and I made up my mind that I could not afford the luxury of just being an actress and that, and that I would use my career as a platform. And I thought of Miss Tyson's statement that she could not afford the luxury of just being a performer when I read the gospel and connected it to Jesus. Jesus could not just be a good actor, preacher, teacher, performer. His audience needed something more that transcended the moment and the experience. In today's lesson in Mark's gospel, as Jesus' teaching ability gained notoriety, he made his way to the synagogue, the village community center. The synagogue was where people gathered to cultivate their religious life together, to pray, to hear, to learn, and reflect. And Jesus' role there was becoming something unique and different. There was something about how he was teaching that was gaining popularity. Mark's gospel doesn't detail the wisdom that Jesus shared on this Sabbath occasion, but the main point that quickly emerges in the gospel story is that a man possessed by a demon was in the audience. The hearing of the possibility of a demon is where we sometimes may lose folks. Ghouls, ghosts, goblins. While they seem childish and fantastical, the reality is 
that when you were a child, these were really scary things. What I found that, and I'm intrigued by, is that there is a cultural archetype around this. And some of us are still traumatized by the boogie monster. In Latinx culture, we call it el cuco. They're supposed to make kids behave, but ironically, instead, their incantation is used to intimidate. This sort of thing is true in the genre of, of horror. While entertaining horror stories can have the viewer question all that is. I'm a big horror fan, which some people may find a bit strange. Preachers liking horror. My rationale has always been that watching horror is an escape from watching the news at times. <laughs> at least I can sort of fast forward, rewind, and decide what I want to do with what I'm watching. Not so much with the news. We are unsure what Mark means by being possessed by an unclean spirit, but we consider it a terrible experience afflicting this man. Secularists might say that this was the case of a psychiatric illness, and biblical literists might say that this is the case of a full-fledged demon possession. I don't need to take a stance on this because we don't have enough information and both are possible. As a mental health professional, I've worked with a range of distressing events in people's lives that affect their grasp on reality, hence the experience of psychosis. And for a significant period of my religious spiritual experience, I have seen the possibilities of unexplainable facts in the spirit realm. The gospel lesson is not interested in either making a case for what to do in the case of a psychotic break or a demon possession. The story's point goes back to what Jesus could represent to the most vulnerable people in his world. For Jesus, this meant dealing with people who often went without appropriate care because of the daily needs that they had to wrestle with in their everyday life. We too are familiar with struggle narratives that are the prevalent storyline in today's news. People struggling with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. And while there are resources out there like clinics and therapists, there are barriers like cost, inexperienced professionals, waiting lists, and no magic pill for the human experience. Sometimes I hear about mental health crisis and I have a slight reaction because people have been dealing with mental health challenges before the news media and capitalism were able to sensationalize the struggle. I appreciate and think it's what Jesus would have us hear if you are struggling with thoughts, behaviors, relationships, or some other issue, it's okay to see a professional. It would be best if you did so. Seek a therapist or whatever care makes sense to you. Do not struggle alone. While God is with each and every one of us, there are trained professionals who can also be great companions in this journey we call life. In the case of the communities in which Jesus interacted, the needs were so great that one pastoral theologian wrote a book on Jesus being the village psychiatrist. Not necessarily because he was a mental health professional, but because he cared in such a way that he could not turn his attention away from those that needed his care. 
Our gospel lesson brings us to face what Jesus can mean. Not as a superstar teacher, a spiritual guru, or a psych professional. The gospel Jesus can put to the side his role as the admired one and take to being the one who would be willing to handle the most difficult of situations, especially for the poor in the village, because it was they who often did not have many choices to deal with their, the ills of their world and their psyche. But regardless of financial realities, we've all been pushed at some point in our lives to an edge where we may feel helpless. That an exorcism occurred in the synagogue was not the story's point. But I do say it would have been neat and would have made for a chill ancient horror flick. That a broken man left the community center whole is the gospel's point and essentially is what the good news about having an encounter with God is about. That Jesus was willing not just to be confronted, but to handle the depths of that man's need, tells us of how the mystery of God can be engaged and engaging. As human beings, we too are often troubled by deep, profound wounds of our existence. Whether one wants to point to those parts as dark, demonic, or simply stubborn, God's care for us is not centered on what's wrong with us, as that would make for a sadistic parent. If you hear the gospel lesson, when the demonic part of the man speaks up, Jesus commands that part to be quiet. Oh, how we still need that voice of love to quiet the fear and the torment that plagues our inner selves. How we need the voice of hope to remind us about that God that has not left us alone. We need Jesus' voice to guide the overworked parts of us that aren't leading us deeply into the love of God or helping us know the sacredness of who we are. That voice reminds you, beloved, that no part of you is unlovable useless or worthless. You are more than what you feel and what others think of you. You are more than your accomplishments and failures. You are the beloved, even with broken, ailing, and sick parts. Jesus was not avoiding the issue of a troubled man needing help. Instead, Jesus was affirming that there was more to that man than the voice of his brokenness. That voice still calls out to expand the vision of who we are and how we can see others. Jesus' ministry was about this, was about expanding how we can see one another. The fact that the religious center of the town became the platform for this work is illustrative of what is needed in a world that is so in need of help. We need spaces where capitalism and materialism don't have the last word. It's exciting for me to think that perhaps the church, visible and invisible, can take a hint in the times we are living in. That spaces must exist where the downtrodden can find their way home into God's love and care. Perhaps this is what we are witnessing in the world as we reckon with so much every day in the news. 
The voice of Jesus speaks to the voices that command, that seem to command attention, and it still confronts us not to avoid, but to affirm that there is more to our humanity than the labels assigned to us and that we assign to one another. The voice of Jesus wants to silence the demonic presence of dehumanizing forces that continue to challenge the fullness of our humanity. That voice wants to bring back to life the affirming presence of the human essence that is regardless of label. Perhaps there is a thinking pattern that you recognize in yourself, that there is more to you. But then there's a part of you that can't let go. I want you to hear this day that you were made in the full image of a loving, kind God and that Jesus' voice resounds from the ancient gospel narrative to remind us that there is hope in confronting the oppressive and demeaning parts of our humanness. As I said before, we are more than our failures and successes. We are more than the labels we assign and are assigned to. We are the beloved. We are God's own. Our broken parts can't scare God away, and it isn't what draws God in. Simply put, the Jesus of the gospel is the reminder that God shows up, and that there isn't anything that can scare God away from us, even when there are parts of us that scare us. God embraces us fully, and connecting with and embracing God in whatever is going on in or in our lives can liberate the journey of life. For we don't have to just hold it all on our own. God affirms our worth. God has always done this from infinity past and will do so to infinity and beyond, as Buzz Lightyear said. Now our task in the world is to do the same with those around us, to remind others that we can attempt to see them as God sees them not as possessed, broken, and demonic, but as beautiful mortals, sometimes struggling, but still imbued with grace to grow and be the amazing people of God. Amen.